The views in this podcast are the participants' own and are not the views of their respective companies. Welcome to Aerox The Legacy Life, the podcast asking, what does a career in runoff insurance or reinsurance actually look like? I'm your host, Katie Reynolds, and today we're joined by Oklahoma Insurance Commissioner Glenn Mulready. Thank you so much for joining us today, Commissioner. I just want to start off with a very general question of what is your role as the Oklahoma Insurance Commissioner? Yeah. Okay. Katie, good to be with you. Thank you just for the opportunity to share a little bit. A uh, similar question gets asked often, even within my own state, of what the heck does insurance commissioner do? And, and honestly, I, I often will start when I speak publicly, which is very regularly, with asking, you know, why should, why should I care about what the insurance commissioner has to say? And so I will just ask, okay, who in this room has an insurance policy? <laughs> and of course, every single person raises their hand. And so uh, just a cute way to um, tell them why they should care, you know. But here in Oklahoma, this position is elected. So insurance commissioners around the country are typically either appointed by the governor or elected. There's 11 states that are elected, and I'm, I happen to be one of those statewide elected offices here in Oklahoma. Each state does it a little bit differently, but we regulate insurance, of course. So that means licensing insurance companies to do business in our state, as well as producers, agents, and brokers, licensing them, approving uh, continuing education to maintain those licenses. So pretty much every insurance commissioner across the country does that. But then we, we deviate some with other things like in Oklahoma. I am responsible for our bail bondsmen. And uh, we've got just over 500 bail bondsmen licensed in our state. I am also, due to my role as commissioner, the chairman of the board for the real estate appraisers board. So we have about 1,100 real estate appraisers. And we are similarly responsible for licensing and continuing education, discipline, uh, that sort of thing. And then we have a number of other, what we call them regulated industries, uh, like TPAs, PBMs. This is when I rattle off a bunch of acronyms, so sorry. <laughs> but pharmacy benefit managers, third-party administrators. We do interact with funeral homes. Uh, not We don't regulate them, but most funeral homes are selling pre-need policies, either through a trust or through insurance. So that's really what the insurance commissioner does. But we see our role as Number one priority is consumer protection. So we have a consumer assistance area that all day, every day is just uh, they're answering calls to help consumers that might be having a, an insurance problem, whether that's understanding something or it could be a, more typically it's a problem with a claim. And so we have about 15,000 calls a year and uh, assist consumers in that way here. Regular listeners to our podcast will know that our guests usually have uh, long careers in specifically legacy or, or runoff business. And that's that's not the case with you, but you've had a tremendous impact on the legacy space through your work as commissioner of insurance in Oklahoma. So I was wondering if you could just give us a, a little bit of a background, what your career has been like, how you got started and, and how you ended up where you are. You know, I guess like a lot of people, uh, in fact, I hear many people say, well, when I got in the insurance business, I wasn't planning to. It's like most people aren't, you know, but but end up in the business. And just on runoff, when I was at the AROC meeting in New Jersey a couple of weeks ago, I, I joked with them that it wasn't all that long ago when I thought runoff meant I was chasing someone off my property. You know? <laughs> no connection with, with insurance. It wasn't all that long ago that I thought that. So as far as my career goes... As we talked before we went live here, uh, I grew up in Massachusetts, one of seven kids, and ended up going to work uh, in my early 20s for John Hancock as a life insurance salesman out of their Cape Cod office. 
I was quite young actually for that that industry and that and that space. And this was sort of a debit agent setup, which is sort of old school. Uh, but I guess I'm just that old. But uh, uh, so that was my first uh, endeavor. But then from there, I I went to work for an independent agency as a, as a broker down in the South Shore, of Massachusetts, and uh, did a lot of PNC business there. Uh, as well, was doing a little bit of benefits business. And then at some point, I, was, I guess I was probably about 12 years there. And um, my wife is from Oklahoma originally, but we were married and established there in Massachusetts and uh, just made a big life decision due to her father's health that was declining quickly. And so we uh, I sold my share of an agency that was in Massachusetts and we relocated uh, here at Oklahoma in 1996 and ended up more on the benefits side of things. Found myself sort of an executive level of, of two two different two different stints, two different uh, the largest health insurance companies here in Oklahoma on the sales and marketing side of that. Uh, 2010 got elected to the House of Representatives in Oklahoma. That's a part-time position. We have a session that's just four months long, and so I maintained my business, my insurance business, and I dovetailed pretty well actually because uh, the busy time in that business was sort of. Uh, third and fourth quarter. And the legislative session was the first quarter, basically, you know, so that worked pretty well. And then in Oklahoma, we also have term limits. So our insurance commissioner was going to be done due to term limits. And uh, I'd served in the legislature for eight years. And I thought that was a good opportunity for me to, you know, put my years of experience, you know, like 35 years of experience, plus legislative experience to work in sort of a more concentrated way for insurance statewide and made the decision to run in 2018 for insurance commissioner. So that uh, sort of my sort of my background, I, I you know, it's kind of interesting moving into, into a role of insurance commissioner because I've had experience in the, you know, life and health side of the business, uh, in the PNC side of the business as a broker, as well as uh, executive team uh, on a company side. So really have had quite a well-rounded business. But as you said, you know, none of that has been in the legacy or runoff space until my role as a regulator here and trying to make an impact with that. Why don't we talk about you know, a big piece of legislation that just came out a few years ago, the Insurance Business Transfer Act. It's been very important for certainly AROG and, and our space. Can you tell us a, a bit about it? How did it come to be? Sure. I was at an NEIC meeting as a legislator and and uh, had, and met with a couple of people about, uh, about IBT or really about Part 7 transfers in, in the U.K., and again, this was this was new space for me. I've always been a big private market, competitive market business guy, and you know it made sense to me that uh, we we could offer something like this in the states. And you know, after hearing too that I've been doing it for years, for decades, over UK and Europe successfully with hundreds of transactions, but it was new. You know, Rhode Island had a statute at that time, but they hadn't been able to do a hadn't put, been able to put together a transaction at that point. So I got together, again, as a legislator, I was in the House and the Senate minority leader, uh, I was in the majority. And, and uh, so we, we ran some legislation, but it, it got some pushback because I, from the industry, they were, you know, kind of thrown off like, wait a minute, what is this? What are you trying to do? And so we uh, made probably one of our better decisions that was just to, to hit pause during that legislative session and not try to push it through and spent the next interim period between legislative sessions, educating folks and trying to educate industry as well as legislators, what this was about, what it does, why it's important to have that tool for uh, certain um, segments of the industry uh, and the protections are in place. 
process. Uh, we really was modeled very pretty strictly after Part 7 transfers. Talk about the successes that have taken place with Part 7 transfers. So then we rolled it out that next year and really got no pushback at that point because we'd spent quite a bit of time, I think, educating folks. So it is kind of funny, interesting that I was, you know, the author of the legislation uh, as, as a House House representatives here in Oklahoma and now, now in the capacity as a regulator uh, implementing it. So pretty, pretty unique opportunity. Did you want to talk about captives at all? Because I've listened to your podcast. <laughs> you know, it, it seems to be that you're, you. you're also, yeah, it's, it's great. I enjoy it. It seems to be that you're uh, trying to educate people on captives. Yeah, much like we've been um, pushing through for, for IBT and giving that tool to companies, we have been actively pursuing captive business. We changed our statutes here, I don't know, maybe six years ago or so. Gosh, time flies, maybe maybe seven years ago. And um, in fact, I was the house author on a number of those as well, but really just trying to make it a more friendly state for captives to come and establish uh, and, and, and domicile. And so we made those changes, but I think actively the department didn't take a real strong role or push with that. But we just really have lately seen it as an opportunity to to draw some business here to our state and, you know, potentially some jobs and, and um, build a little bit of a cottage industry, if you will. And so we think we've got the statutes that are in place now. We've, we've been out, you know, I, I'm, you know, my folks, my captive folks, sometimes we're, we're in marketing mode. We want to be talking about Oklahoma and what a great state it is for them to do business. And here's why you should. And so we've been at a couple of conferences in the last few months talking about that and been, been very receptive. We've got a number of captives lined up that are, going to establish here in Oklahoma. And in fact, I might use this shameless plug. Um, We will be doing an IBT and captive conference next summer, August uh, 24th to 25th, uh, our first IBT slash captive conference at the brand new Omni Hotel uh, and Conference Center here in Oklahoma City. Oh, very nice. That's great. And I'm hopeful Uh, it won't be 110 degrees in August in Oklahoma City. Oh, goodness. (laughs) Yeah, uh, we we can only hope, but no, that's great. So what can we do to get more young professionals interested and involved in in the insurance industry? I've I've asked everybody. Everybody has great ideas. Don't know if there's a lot of implementation of these great ideas. So you're a regulator. What do you think would get more young people involved in the space? Well, I'm glad you're asking that question, not just of me, but of others, because I've I've been asking that question. And so when I came here to the department, uh, I immediately made some changes with how we do internships. Previously, we had interns coming in, but we have one, we have a a school not far from here that uh, has an actuarial, the only actuarial degree university in our our state. And so we were doing internships, but strictly in that, I don't know, narrow lane, if you will. And so I wanted us to expand that and just get, get more young people in this building exposed to the lots of different things other than just financial and actuarial side of things. And so um, I don't know what the answer is, what the silver bullet is. I don't know if there is a silver bullet, but I think trying to get young people to understand the different facets of the industry. I mean, and by that, there's, there's the, you know, we talk about PNC and life and health, but there's all, there's the sales side, there's actuarial side. There's, uh, there's runoff and legacy business. Uh, I, in fact, jotted a note and have, because um, I learned uh, that Connecticut had done something recently. My colleague there, Andy Mays, had done a next-gen sort of conference or something. And so I'm very interested in doing something like that to try to 
try to draw some young people out. Uh, I have my own son who's a, I have three in college right now, freshman, sophomore, senior, and uh, which wasn't very good financial planning. It's a different <laughs> story. Um, but my middle one is on a, on a math track and is uh, you know looking to do an actuarial internship this summer. But, you know, as I think that through and have even mentioned to different people, you know, if I wasn't the insurance commissioner and exposed to that thing, would, would he have branched out to do a, he's doing a second major with actuarial science and financial mathematics, or we have just stayed as a physics major. Um, so I think some of it is just exposure. And I think trying to get more young people exposed to the multifacets of, of insurance. I think young people just don't, uh, you know, it just says boring to them, right? I mean, I, I recently was speaking at that university that my sons are at. It was at a workers' comp uh, conference. And uh, I, I, I told them if they came and listened, I'd take them out to breakfast afterwards. So, so two of the three came. And uh, it was a real, it was an eight o'clock meeting start. So I told them uh, I was going to take them breakfast. And afterwards I said to one of the, the boys, boy, that was a dry crowd. It must've been too early, you know, like, and uh, there was a tough crowd sort of comment. And my son said, well, dad, it was workers' compensation. <laughs> so, you know, in his mind, insurance has a certain connotation. So I think we've got to try to get past that and have young people see the multifacets of the industry and how they might tap into that. We also, I might comment, Katie, we are doing a, in our department, um, we have a, an employee who's out in the schools, even at the elementary school level, doing insurance 101, um, sort of, and some financial literacy, sort of from an insurance standpoint. So we're trying to reach some folks, kids in, in the classroom in different settings. So that's been well received out in the community as well. Any advice for young professionals out there who are interested in insurance, or maybe they're already involved and they just don't know how to go further with their career? Any thoughts? Yeah, I guess my my advice would be, again, there are multifacets. If you're in one facet and you're not loving it, gosh, look at look at expanding and broaden, broadening that horizon into another facet of the industry that may sort of catch your attention or catch your energy and your passion, because there are different pieces of that. And then, so when you find that space, that lane, you can then, you can boom and move forward, you know? Um, but I think, like I was saying, just exposing folks for the first time, I think even folks that are in the industry sometimes might feel sort of pigeonholed and, you know, I'm in sales and I'm only in sales or I'm in this aspect and um, that's my opportunity for growth. But uh, I think I think seeing other areas that then, especially when you're younger, that then can flush out what you're energized by, what, what you're more passionate about, what you like doing. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Commissioner. Is there anything else that you would like to say? I would just before you before you close this out. Yeah, sure. Thank you for what you're doing. Uh, you know, to that issue of how do we get young people involved, and for this next gen or whatever it is that um, it's exactly called, but just trying to reach out because I think again there is no silver bullet. It takes people like you from that generation, people like me from a quite a bit older generation. But just reaching out and reaching out to young people, and that's what will draw folks in and uh, hopefully bring some more younger faces into our industry. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you. And that wrapped up my conversation with Commissioner Mulready. Eric NextGen would like to extend a big thank you to the commissioner for joining us for this episode. If you're interested in hearing more about what's going on in the insurance landscape in Oklahoma, check out Commissioner Mulready's podcast, Mulready Minutes, and that is available through the Oklahoma Insurance Department's website. 
the NextGen Task Force is part of AROC, the only U.S.-based nonprofit association focusing on the legacy or runoff sector of the insurance and reinsurance industries. AROC serves the industry by providing education, networking, information, and data. Learn more about what we do at www.aroc.org or contact AROC's Executive Director, Carolyn Fahey at carolyn at aroc.org. That's A-I-R-R-O-C dot org. Thank you, and we'll see you next time.